You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Citizen. Once again, we have a very uh, special guest, another Canadian. I think you're like the third Canadian I've had on here. Um, host of Jeff Knows Inc. Entrepreneur Podcast and author Jeff Lopes. How's it going? Good, brother. Um, I'm excited to be here. We had uh, we had you on our podcast and it was uh, an absolute hit. Uh, a lot, a lot of good feedback from it. So I'm excited to have another conversation with you. Yeah, hopefully I didn't swear too much. I try to keep it. When I do other people's shows, I try to at least pretend like somebody uh, uh, raised me properly. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, you did good. It was. I was. I was. I mean, I've been. I was trying to get you on my podcast. We both know this for a while, and you, your schedule never. It was always conflicting. So, mm-hmm. um, I w- you never know the response of the, the audience, and I was. I was very shockedly surprised of how positive the response was. Mm. And and when I mean response, I mean feedback. People actually messaged me and, and 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 liking a lot of stuff. You got the odd person that threw against it, against the wall. But I mean, those are the ones that, as we spoke to before we got on air, those are the ones that follow the kind of the herd, right? Mm. Yeah. So I mean, just to recap, uh, we were we did discuss a few things before we started the show. I was kind of giving you an, uh, an intro into what we're doing here. Um, the more of these shows I do, the the more I refine the ideas behind it, I think, which is the point, you know, it's the reason I'm doing the show in the first place. But, um, I think in modern Western life, the most important choice that all of us are faced with is whether we're going to be citizens or whether we're going to be subjects. And, uh, to clarify the difference between the two, a subject is somebody who's being ruled, right. And, uh, in a, in a society like ours, especially here in North America, the United States and Canada, but also other Western countries, Typically, what it means to be ruled is that you've willfully, in today's world, without actual feudalism and, and dictatorial rule in the West, it means that you've subjugated yourself uh, uh, through your own laziness or ignorance or incompetence, right? Like it, certainly there are bad actors <clears throat> that are always going to be around to take advantage of power vacuums and try to, you know, lord over people. But we have. We're in a unique period in, in human history where 
We have all the information we could ever want. We have the opportunity to be uh, entrepreneurial on our own. And the, the, at least in my estimation, the thing that's really stopping us from having a society that reflects the ideals upon which these countries were founded, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, individual liberty, things like that. Um, the thing that's really stopping us is our own inability or maybe, maybe we just don't want to, to take control of what's going on. Right. So that's kind of the general uh, theme here. Whereas a citizen is, as I've laid out the definition a number of times on the show, someone who doesn't simply enjoy their rights or focus on their rights, but also understands that they have responsibilities, right? Uh, and that make those rights possible, not just for you, but for everybody else as well. Yeah. I mean, if, if I could jump in there quickly, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, it all starts with two, two main narratives. One is, is parenting. Um, and, and how children are brought up and, and, and how, I mean, we're indirectly teaching our children at all moments. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents try to directly teach their parent, their children lessons, but it's indirectly how they treat others. Have they opened a door? Are they taking leadership skills? Are they involving? Are they entrepreneurs? Your children are indirectly lurking, learning off you from a very young age. So I think that's the kind of the seed that's starting, right? And the next seed is our we could get into is our educational system. The educational system just vacuums everybody into this trap where their mind is, I got to get to university. I got to get to college. And when they get there, now they're now they have no choice because we're not building leaders. The educational system is not trained to train leaders. It's trained to essentially put everybody in a herd mentality where they're done school. Now they got five to 10 years to pay their back their tuition. And now they're stuck working that nine to five job. They're stuck following the herd. And then once that happens, add social media, add people want to be part of something. So now they, they're stuck to this nine to five job. They're depressed. They're unhappy with their life. They get home, they put on social media and they want to feel part of something. And they start following these groups, following these herds. And it just evolves. It's, like, it's almost like a snowball effect from there. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, cause that in a lot of ways, <clears throat> that's some of that stuff's going to happen naturally. Um, we had a, uh, uh, William Roosh on the show recently, he's a, a primary educator. So I think he's a high school teacher that teaches history mostly. Um, yeah. And we kind of went through the paces on what public education not just has become. I think it's a misnomer to say that's what it's become because it's what it's always been about. And that's to produce compliant workers. That that was the point yeah. of this. It, it's a factory to, to, to produce uh, compliance. And that's, you know, it's definitely not good for uh so, so we're in a creator economy now right so yeah uh, uh, more so than ever before in human history people have not just the ability but the resources to start your own business or whatever it is and 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 you know in a lot of ways divorce yourself from a lot of the problematic stuff that happens in corporate or in the corporate world um but our primary and secondary education does not reflect that it's still it's still a mill, right? That's trying to churn out the same product over and over. Um, but it does, it, at the end of the day, it still starts at home, right? So yeah. whenever we're, you know, elucidating all these, all these problems in the world, I, I, keep, I always want to take the time to remind people that 
this is a problem that we created either through complacency or ignorance or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, and yeah, that sounds accusatory. It's kind of sucks that you have to accept responsibility for it, but it also means you have the ability to change it. And I think that's the empowering part, right? So if we made this problem, we're the ones that could solve it. 100%. And when you're saying starting at home, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, we could go back to corporate America or corporate or even North America, Canada, like when you're when you're stuck on a corporate job working nine to five, or you're trying to be an entrepreneur, I mean, the hours you put into your career, and especially when you have young children, I mean, there, there's got to be a balance. I and mean, you always hear a lot of massive entrepreneurs saying it's impossible to have a balance between family life and being an entrepreneur. And I think that's bullshit. I mean, you could have a balance. It's learning how to prioritize your schedule, learning how to prioritize your time. And if you do have half an hour, an hour with your children, make sure you're being present at that moment and educating them, teaching them, making use of that time with them. And I think a lot of parents don't do that. And that's the kids. And you, I mean, I got, I got a 14 year old and a 16 year old then, and I could still look at my daughter 16 and, and I could think of her changing her diaper. Mm-hmm. It just flew by. So I'm looking at her and I'm like, okay, I, I, I think I've done a, a decent job as a dad. I've, I've, I've got her into a situation where from day one with both my kids, I made them as independent as I possibly can. My daughter is 16. We come home, dinner's ready. She, she cleaned, she has laundry done. She's a high performance dancer. Uh, uh, she's a straight A student. And it's because from day one, we instilled discipline. We instilled a work ethic, which is so important. A work ethic from a very young age. And we didn't give them anything. We made them earn everything from a very young age. And I think that's that's the biggest issue is, is people get into a situation with their children is, is just constantly giving, giving. They don't make them earn work or 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 get in a situation where they feel they have to they, they have to accomplish something to get a rewarded for something. Yeah, that right. even goes sorry, go. No, it's it's interesting because uh every a lot, a lot of people who feel the way you feel routinely will talk about um this circle of hard times you know, make hard men, make soft times, make soft men. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it does seem like it isn't just this, it isn't just the soft times we made that contributed to this problem. It's the fact that we became soft ourselves and stopped, you know, requiring this level of discipline from people. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a problem of, um, perspective, I guess, because, 200 years ago, that discipline keep literally keeps you alive. And now it just makes your life better. So it's hard. I like, and it, it is, it is true to say that it makes your life significantly better, not just in experience, but in health, mental health, and all this other stuff, if you have that level of discipline. But I think maybe one of the problems we're having is juxtaposing that versus, you know, the pioneer environment where you literally have to do these things or you die versus well it would be better if i do those things yeah but it's even that is kind of a misnomer because now something like uh i think 58 percent of americans are either diabetic or pre-diabetic or something like that like it's over 50 percent are either currently diabetic or pre-diabetic yeah so it does actually have an effect on whether or not you're going to live or die and we have a we have an a, a, an, an obesity epidemic in America, you know what I mean? Far more and, dangerous and, and, than any other epidemic we've seen in our lifetime, for sure. 
why, why do you think the government is not and we've talked about this and, and i've talked about this endless times on podcasts why do you think the government is it because the pharmaceutical companies why do you think the government doesn't put emphasis on on making that a magic subject to people to focus on and educate on um well i mean it, they would have to I, i've said this before it's almost like a the spent cost fallacy um but it's the the cost that you spent isn't just time and, and spent cost fallacy it's uh someone has spent so much time and effort on something that even though they know it's failing they won't stop you know what i mean because they've well i've invested this much i may as well continue going well that doesn't make sense like if you followed a path to its end you wouldn't keep walking into the woods you would stop turn around and find the rest of the path um but it's not just time and effort that has been spent in this scenario it is the uh uh it is the patrician classes the weight of their authority right how much people respect and trust them has also been spent and i know that that's uh, a dicey thing for them because if they admit now how wrong they were about things like uh mandates and lockdowns and mask and corn syrup back to this point uh the government allowed all that stuff to happen the fda promoted corn syrup yeah which for is years and yeah, years and years yeah. which before <clears throat> I, I said this on the show the other day with our buddy dr uh, mike simpson but before corn syrup was in most foods throughout the 50s and 60s and 70s it was used to uh, fatten pigs for slaughter you know what i mean so i think a big part of it is that spent cost fallacy they've been so wrong so much that to admit that actually being healthy, I mean, look at how, look at how much the, and this is a really good comparison in my opinion, uh, the eight years that Obama was in office here, Michelle Obama's primary goal was health and fitness of kids, right? To change, yeah. change school lunches from bullshit chicken nuggets and pizza to, you know, maybe veg, a vegetable now and then. Um, and the right let her up for it. Like you shouldn't get to decide what my children eat. Like this isn't one of those, my freedom situation, dude, these are your kids are eating bullshit and they're going to die in their fucking forties because of it. And you like, this isn't a political issue. Um, but it shows you how little trust people have in these institutions now. Like even when the institution is right, nobody trusts them anymore, depending on which side of the, the political aisle, the institution happens to be on. Right. But that's fucking dumb. So I think maybe we need to do a better job of educating people. And I don't know if it's to, to have them imagine themselves in a pioneer environment where, you know, the, the consequences are real. I mean, it's, it's hard to fucking, it's hard to compare getting uh, overrun by a gang of horse thieves or dying from cholera or dysentery to, you know, the 40 years it takes to die from diabetes. You know what I mean? Like that, but we, we have, we have to do a better job of explaining that to people because clearly they're not getting it. I mean, I had on, on my podcast, uh, Dr. Uh, Kian Vu, he's a longevity coach. He's a, he's an MD longevity coach. Mm -hmm. And we had this conversation about three weeks ago. And I mean, he still thinks there's hope. I mean, having, the right amount of people bring it to the light and educate people as much as possible. Um, I feel a little more negative with it because I feel like it's, 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 you've, you've put people in this, this narrow door of it's cheaper 
in, in a low income area is cheaper to grab a burger than it is eat a healthy meal. So I think that has the, a big part of it has to start off with the home. So educating people, but also financially, right? A lot of people, it's a lot simpler to grab a fast food than go home and cook a, a delicious meal. So it has to start one from educational system, teaching kids from a younger age, but the parents you're, you're looking at generations before this will start becoming a, a habit in their lifestyle, right? So how are we going to start it from the educational system, teaching them properly, starting the school system, like, like you said, Michelle Obama started and, and getting it into, uh, into a lot of the lower income areas where people now could eat. And I'm, there are programs now, there's a lot of programs that people are doing with um, getting vegetables that are a day two days past due that are still good and, and lower lowering the value of them there's there's tons of people really trying to do good in this world so which gives it hope right when you see people actually trying to do these programs to help educate people to provide lower income families with a healthy nutritional meal but it's you're looking at the numbers are so high and then when you get the government we we've been through this we've talked about this government shutting you down forcing you to stay at home and 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 not making you move not making you exercise i'm coming from toronto canada our lockdown mandate here was was horrible and 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 telling you to stay home telling you what to do and and the, once again the herd mentality just just follows how many people got depressed how many people gained weight how many people got out of shape you had the odd odd the odd family that really took that and say hey this is the time to really focus on ourselves that was such a low, low demographic that actually did that. So there's so, when I look at it, the overall picture, yeah, there's a lot of people trying to do good, like Dr. Dr. V and other people like that. But there's still, when you look in society in general, I mean, the pharmaceutical companies, the cereal companies, you walk to a checkout at a Walmart, what do you turn around? It's all junk food at the mm-hmm. checkout. They make everything convenient as possible. Grocery store, you go to any grocery store, you're going there for milk and, and eggs. What are they forcing you to do? They're making you forcing you to walk through every aisle to the back corner to get that milk and eggs. There is a marketing strategy between everything we they do to force us to buy that junk food, to feel that comfort food. And that's just adding to the diabetes, adding to the cholesterol problems, adding to the health problems, adding to the heart disease. And it's just, it, it's a snowball effect. And I don't, I, I don't see a positive end to it unless dramatic change starts from day one with children. Yeah. I don't think um, any of the modern issues that we face dovetails more aptly into my general theory about citizen versus subject than our diet because yeah nobody like there's certainly food deserts and that creates problems and it's certainly more convenient and faster to do certain things versus other things but there's a time and place for convenience right so having energy the most amount of energy in every home that improves people's lives. There's no question about that. It, it extends people's lives. It makes the quality of life better, all these things, but having the convenience of, you know, low nutritional calories, for example, not a good thing, but it's something that we've chosen to uh, uh, take part in when we had yeah. the option to not do that. And uh, you know, I mean, I understand the frustrated parent that's just trying to get their kid to eat something. You know what I mean? But every time you take a shortcut, man, it just it never seems to work out. And this is a problem that we've forced on ourselves. Like it, we there's we did not have to do this. 
there's a, <clears throat> there's a meme floating around right now. I actually had to look it up uh, to see if it was legit or not, but it was the fattest man in the world. He was, a, it was at a carnival. Uh, and that was his tagline was the fattest man in the world. And I think he weighed like 300 pounds. Like, dude, you go to fucking Las Vegas right now. And you can see 400 pounders riding around on motorized scooters. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, to your point about the government and its motivations, um, the more conspiratorial side of me, because why did they shut down gyms as well? You know what I mean? Like that was weird. Uh, the more conspiratorial side of me wonders at what level of incompetence is malice then implied. It's like the inverse yeah. of, of Hanlon's razor. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> like it's one thing to be wrong and then say you were wrong and say, but this is right. And here's why we were wrong and stuff like that. But to say, I am the science, for example, yeah. and continually promote bullshit while at the same time having private corporations in the form of social media companies shut down dissent. Now that's literal fascism. The, yeah. the, the, the coordination between private business and government to spread disinformation and rule over people. That is the literal definition of fascism. So, um, I think we should probably pay a little bit more attention to that. Um, it's why I made this list of principles because people need, you know, uh, I feel like when an idea pops up, it's almost like going through uh, the Socratic method, like going through your checklist. Okay, does it meet this standard? Does it meet this standard? Does it meet this standard? And I think that um, ideas like supporting and defending liberty and helping all men and, uh, you know, being a leader, no matter where you are, putting more into things than you get out of them, things like that rejecting divisiveness. I feel like these things, uh, man, they're good bullets on a checklist to make sure that the actions you're taking in your life are, are positive, not just for yourself, but for others and for society at large. It's, it's structure, right? I mm. mean, I, I look at everything you're doing and everything you're saying there is a structure to follow. And when you have structure, it allows the process to work a lot better, no matter what you do. And, and and going back to what we were talking about, I mean, if you think of even the 2000s, we're, I'm assuming we're roughly pretty close in age. When you're looking at the, the 2000s, when all those fat-free foods started coming in, what were they injected with? Sugar. And and the amount of sugar that people were just reading on a label, fat-free, and they're buying it, fat-free. And I, I fell under that category. Many people fall under that category. I'm on a diet. I'm going to buy everything fat-free. Mm. What is happening? The diabetes epidemic just exploded because everybody, those things are now to get rid of the fat, they got to increase the sugar to make it taste better. So all of a sudden that happens when they started all of a sudden saying sugar free. Now they're putting aspartame. Aspartame has links to cancer. So there's, it's just this one is one bandaid over another, but the end of the result is these massive corporations are all profiting billions and billions. And as long as they keep doing that, there's, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop the issue. They're just going to keep putting band-aids on it or switching it around. And that's the biggest issue when it comes to us eating, right? Hmm. Well, I mean, the so the you can see from just the way the way it's played out historically what the goal is. The goal is not to produce um, a happier and healthier society. It's no. to maximize profits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I like to. 
I like to tell people the, the harder somebody's trying to convince you of something, the less likely you should be to believe it because yeah. uh, good ideas in and of themselves are pretty convincing and obvious typically, right? Like these brilliant ideas that people come up with from time to time, whether it's in science uh, or, or philosophy or whatever it is, it's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, wow, that's really simple. Why didn't I think of that? That's typically what truth sounds like because it feels right to people. Um, now you take, uh, you take a lot of lessons, uh, from business through your business career, through your 25 years in business and translate them for people who are trying to figure out how to navigate those things. Uh, but they aren't just business lessons. I, I find that you record not just how to operate in a startup or in a boardroom or, or whatever, but also how these lessons have <clears throat> informed your life as a man, as a husband, as a father, and so on. And I think it's, uh, it reminds me of uh, Colonel Hal Moore uh, once said that uh, one of his lieutenants asked him how he, how he managed being both a father and a soldier. And he said, well, I hope one thing makes me better at the other, right? Um, and I, I think it's like the lessons we learn from how to deal with things ethically in business or how to deal with things uh, from uh, a structural and educational standpoint as uh, parents or educators or leaders in other ways, they do certainly inform each other. You've kind of made a business out of this. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I look at everything, there there's a process and structure to everything you're trying to build. And I think a lot of people don't create a proper process and, and actually finish to the end with it. And when I'm talking about that is, is whether you're creating a business, you're trying to create a, a great family life. I mean, I've been married for 19 and a half years, creating an environment that that my wife and I still communicate after 19 and a half years, having both busy careers, having two active children, is you have to put in the time. And how do you put in time when you have a busy schedule is, I mean, I, I call it my non-negotiables. When I look at my schedule, Dan, I literally lock in, I actually physically lock in time with my kids on my schedule. And I say between four and six to K, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna be do baseball with my son. Between three and this time, I'm gonna do this with my daughter. I'm, every night when our kids go to bed, Around 9.30, me and my wife, that's our time together. We go for a power walk for 30, 40 minutes. It's actually putting in non-negotiables into your schedule and understanding that to build anything, you have to put effort. Somebody the other day was was like, like, give me an answer of how to be successful. And I looked at them and I said two things. I go, work hard and be nice to fucking people. That's mm -hmm. all it is. Be good to people and work your ass off. At everything you do, work your ass off. You're going to be successful. It might take a little longer. It might take a little shorter. It all depends on the lucky breaks we get because we're all going to need a lucky break here or there and, or a, a network or a person we meet that that takes kind to us and helps us along the way. But that's all it is. And then when you are trying to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to invent the wheel. A lot of people try to invent the wheel. Find something that's been successful. Find something that's in a spot that you want to be in and study what they've done. Learn from them. Become the, allow them to be your mentor. If they don't want to be your mentor, study what they've done and create your own wheel by duplicating theirs, just adding your own touches to it. Right. I think I think a lot of people overcomplicate shit. And I've been an entrepreneur now for 20, actually 26 and a half years, and I've been very successful. We got we got nine properties. We, we have Camorra where we're where we design and manufacture boxing martial art equipment, which we do extremely well with. We have other little businesses. And and through the whole process, I don't complicate shit. There's going to have ups and down valleys of good days and bad days. You have to realize that it's a long-term game. 
You're not going to try to get rich quick. It's a long-term game. And, and through the process is all about the networking, the communication, the building the relationships and keeping the ones that you have strong as well. So it, it, there's not rocket science to being successful. It's just putting that damn hard work and, and, and being smart with it, right? This episode is brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company, as you know, is a veteran-owned and operated company that supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get the best coffee in the world. Get your premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, whether you want whole bean ground or coffee rounds that work in the Keurig machine, and your delivery schedule, which I believe they have 7, 14, 21, 30 days, and a couple of other options uh, as well. And in addition to that, this is the best deal you're going to get. In addition to the ease of the Coffee Club, you're also going to get free shipping on all your orders. You're going to get access uh, to exclusive partner discounts. You're going to get 20% off your first order using the code CITIZEN. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Next up, GhostBed. We all know GhostBed. They have the best deals in the world on the best beds in the world. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else. 30% off. Use the code DRINKINBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINBROS. You can get a mattress and an adjustable base and everything else you add to that order. That's going to be 40% off. And then, you know, with all these great deals, whether it's the 40% off bundle deal or the general 30% off deal, you can utilize the zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months. That's five years, which will reduce your monthly cost to somewhere between tw like $25 and $45 a month, somewhere in there, depending on what all you get. So go get those deals, you know, to bed, to 30 of your life, eight hours a day, spend the money. Uh, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros for that. Next up, Simply Safe. This is the easiest, easiest home security system you are ever going to use. Uh, there's a lot of systems out there. This is the one that I prefer. Here's a question. Is there anything that matters more than the safety of you and your loved ones? Of course not. So isn't it strange then that many home security companies don't behave that way? This is why we use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. Their advanced security technology helps us sleep at night. They also put us uh, in our family's safety First, here's why I love it. Super easy. You can set this entire system up in 10 to, to 15 minutes, really. Uh, with 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply says agents call you the moment a threat is detected, and they dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or cannot be reached. Simply Safe's monitoring agents truly care about your well-being, are highly trained to keep you calm and safe during stressful situations, staying on the line with you until help arrives. So if you are someone who travels for work a lot and your family stays home behind you and you're worried about their safety while you're gone, Simply Safe is the answer. Simply Safe's customer first policies make sure you're taken care of with affordable plans starting at less than $1 a day and no long-term contracts or hidden fees because feeling safe at home shouldn't break the bank. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash citizen podcast. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com 
slash citizen podcast. That's S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash citizen podcast. And finally, Babel. We we talk a lot about improving our minds, right? Everybody's into these nootropics and different ways to get the most out of the human brain. But I got to tell you, neuroplasticity depends on learning new skills, learning new languages. Languages is one of the best ways to do it. So you can either learn a mechanical skill and that works one part of your brain, or you can learn a language in your memory center, in your hippocampus, and you're going to learn another, uh, or you're going to develop another part of your brain. For all of your summer travels, whether you're going abroad, staying domestic, want to immerse yourself in a culture, or you want to do what I was just talking about, which is improve the way your brain functions. Now is the perfect time to start Babbel. Babbel is a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Uh, thanks to their addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lesson, there's always time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. With Babbel, you only need about 10 minutes to complete a single lesson. Uh, they're in blocks like that. So, you know, you can be having real life conversations in as little as three weeks uh, and you can push yourself even harder if you want. Uh, other language learning apps use AI for the lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts. Um, their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective and you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, they have speech recognition technology that helps make sure that your pronunciation and accent are correct. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. And it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel right now. Save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com citizen. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com citizen for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel language for life. Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had these conversations before about, um, scheduling time with the people in your life and, um, not just that, but like side business projects. So let's say, you know, I've got this really good idea. I think it would make a good podcast or a good book or whatever. I mean, you got to put, 30 minutes a day aside for that or two hours a day aside or however long it is. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that makes sense. We, we schedule time for the gym. We schedule time for uh, personal development or professional development. And then when it comes to the most important part of our lives, in my opinion, which is your personal life, because not only is it enriching your life and making it possible for you to do all the things you're doing, but you're also, creating new human beings that are able to go out and duplicate that effort and it makes their lives better and it makes your life better and it makes all of our lives better. Right. Uh, we fall short of that. I think I've heard feedback that some people think <clears throat> that it kind of cheapens it cheapens the idea of family time and stuff like that, or time with your wife, for example. Um, if it's on the, if you put it on a schedule, I mean, why, why, I, I don't understand that. Like everything doesn't have to be spontaneous and romantic. If you live like that in your head, you're going to be always disappointed. Those, those people are like that, that kind of relationship fizzles out pretty quickly because and yeah. and everything you do in your life structure is going to be one of the more important parts of it. Right. Yeah. It's structure and understanding. I mean, I, I've been married, like I said, Dan, for 19 and a half years. 
Um, my wife has her career. I, I've been always an entrepreneur. Um, she has understanding and a trust in me that when I make a decision to try a new venture or buy a new property or try a new, any idea, she has a trust in me. I built that trust that she backs it up and it supports it. So we have that great communication aspect, but we've been married for 19 and a half years and we found what works for us and what works for us might not work for other people. 19 and a half years, we don't have a bank account together. Mm. We, we have our own separate time. We have time scheduled that we're going to spend together. So we, we have a very structured relationship, but we don't argue. We don't argue about money. We have a great relationship. We understand our time is needed around the children to develop them um, into good human beings. So because we, from day one, have had this structure and, and understood this, I mean, I, 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 and, it's, and some people might say it sounds robotic, but it's not. We, I mean, we have a great loving relationship because we set the boundaries and the rules from day one. And we both appreciate being open and honest of how we have to conduct our lives to be successful individually and as a, as a team kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think you, you need that understanding and I, it's, it's a good, it's good to go through the process too. I mean, if you're, if you're young or young in your relationship, be really clear about what your expectations are. Yeah. Um, right up front. I mean, th there's this kind of unwritten rule that a person can fake their behavior for the first six months, three to six months or something. And then they become their real selves. Um, I would take that personally. Like you need to, if, if that is indeed something of a standard and you're, uh, you're out there in the dating world still, you should really make it an effort to not do that personally. I think that's obvious, but you should also make an effort to um, uh, 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 make it easier for your potential partner to be honest about things as well. You know what I mean? And do do so. Like you should go into things with your. I, I'm not saying be skeptical or cynical about things. Uh, you should be skeptical, but not cynical. But definitely go into things with your eyes open, because. <sighs> You've only got the time on this earth that you have, you know, and uh, wasting it with somebody who doesn't align goal wise. Like, look, the relationship's always going to be work because that's what it's 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 work. It's just the way it is. But if you align yourself with somebody who you're just not on the same page with, it's why some like somebody like you. You do all the things you do and you have a great relationship and people are like, oh, it just comes easy for them. No, you just did it the right way. You know what I mean? Like if you try to run up a hill backwards, it's going to look tougher than just walking up the hill forward. But that doesn't make one. I mean, technically the, the event itself is more difficult the way you're doing it, but getting up the hill was a lot easier for me because I did it the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I think the honesty, I love what you're saying there, Dan, with the honesty from day one, because we both went in this relationship. My wife knew from, I started my first company at 17. She, when, when we met, I was just about 19 and we got married. I got married. I was turning 28 and we, we dated for the first six, seven years, just off and on. Just, we had very like a relationship where it was like, we weren't up each other's ass kind of thing. Mm. We understood we're trying to both build our careers. And, but from day one, she knew what she was getting. She knew she was getting an entrepreneur that would never work for somebody. I'd rather be squeegeeing cars on the, on the side of the road than mm -hmm. actually take orders by somebody. I've been like that since I was a kid. So she knew what she was going to get. And, and I knew that she was a very more laid back, simple person. She didn't, she never wanted to be an entrepreneur. She knew she would never work for, for, work for me or none of my corporations because 
she her her thing when people ask like how do you even work for your husband she says i want to i want to stay married i don't want to be divorced mm. and she said that from day one so we both came in with this open honesty so we knew what we were at the beginning and knew how to navigate and grow together so there's no bullshit or lies from the beginning which i think is so 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 valid right yeah for sure um so i want to move on into some uh some proactive things um again as i said at the, at the top of the show and as we discussed before um it's it's become kind of trendy to talk about how fucked up everything is and how you know politicians suck and the state of the world's bad and people are are i don't understand why people vote for these things or those things or i don't understand how this is happening um it's really it's easy to believe that government has failed us and institutions have failed. There's a lot of truth in that, but I, I think if you consider like we've allowed all this, right? Because we've allowed ourselves to be ruled through a popularity contest and we've, we've taken no interest in the governing of our own communities. So people that are power hungry have naturally gravitated towards those places. And we are, we've been content for a very long time, just to choose between the lesser of two evil power hungry people. And that's how our government's been run for a very, very long time now. Like I'm not talking about the last 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years. I'm talking about maybe the entire history of this country, you know, uh, uh, after the first couple of presidents. So as much as government has failed us and, and, and some of the systems have failed us, I think that we are primarily responsible for this. I think that, uh, especially here in America where it's of form by the people, uh, you should consider the population and local government as a feeder system for federal government, state and federal government, right? Because if it is truly of form by the people and the people suck, then of course the government's going to suck. And it doesn't matter what your individual quality is. It matters what your individual effort is. Like you can only control two things in life, your attitude and your effort. And our attitude and our effort towards politics in this country have been bullshit for a long ass time, a lot longer than we've been experiencing these recent um, uh, times of tumult, for lack of a better phrase. So I wonder from your perspective, and you're in Canada as well, which is um, the way that your government, I've I've tried to to intimate this to people over the past two years or so, but the way that your government has handled like ESG and the world economic forum and then lockdowns and all that stuff and, and mandates is far worse than what happened here in the United States, by by a, a pretty significant factor. So you're in a much more dire situation, I think than most people here are. What advice do you have for people on how to reclaim their sovereignty? You know what I mean? From the ground yeah. up. I mean, it- yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. And this has been going on for quite a few years here. And, and I don't see getting any better. Um, but, I mean, there's there's different starting points. I mean, you could you could work towards your local community, your local government, and start in that process and, and trying to put the right people in place. But most people are just so busy with their everyday life that they just fall into this pattern that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We'll let tomorrow happen. We'll be okay. Mm. And there isn't much change. And, and I, I fall into that pattern. I'm going to be honest with you because I see all these things happening when, it, when you're looking at our government. I mean, 
the world looks at the Canadian government like Trudeau's he's a communist. I mean, that people say that on a regular basis. And when you're looking at as as a political standpoint, I mean, as an individual, how much power, how much change could I do? So my mindset is being able to control the things in my life that I'm able to control. And what I mean by that is I could control creating a great business. I could control educating and teaching my children the goods and bads and how to be good good human and what what as a young adult how to enter the world and how to react to certain things that are going to happen to you i could sit down with my wife and have the discussion i could sit down with my neighbors so it starts from the home base the neighbors your family and really trying to educate when you get to the point educate people on the proper manner of how to conduct themselves on a regular basis i think if if you're looking at trying to solve the, the canadian government issues or the North America government, you're not as individual, you're not going to do nothing. Right. And personally, I don't want to run for politics. I don't know if your mindset is to run for politics eventually, but I mean, as an individual, you've got to just be able to control the things you control and the things that are out of your control. Don't stress about it. Just try to, in, in the best manner as possible, educate people on what you feel is correct. And, and, and by that, like I said, building corporations, hiring people, building communities around you that you feel that you're helping better and grow and educate people. Like I said, whether it's through diet, whether it's through through politics, is you have a standard or in your head and you got to educate the people around your, your circle. And then it starts from there and you're hoping that group will start educating other people and it slowly starts growing, but it's such a, it's such a, huge hill to change and and the climb right now and i and i don't see it changing i mean last year during the pandemic trudeau called an election during the pandemic and got reelected. like during the pandemic when people were going crazy he called an election and people were like what and then two weeks later he was back and it locked down again like and people were just like what the hell just happened yeah so yeah. you see this like how much control do I have? I the only control I have is in my home, in my businesses, and my family and environment. So you try to work from there and grow it from there. But man, it's it's uh, you just have to. Add, I mean, my mindset, Dan, is you have to just find a way to be successful and be a good person. We're on this earth for such a damn short time, in a very short time. Mm. And and I mean, I live every single day, and and I've always lived like this, but. I lost my dad 15 months ago and, and he was very close to me. And in my mindset is I live with no regrets every single fucking day. I wake up every day. If I want to do something, I do something. I, I I mean, lockdown has prevented us for about two years, but I've always wanted to watch a Cubs game. Last weekend, we jumped in the car, drove across the board and went to, went to Wrigley to watch a Cubs game. Checked off my checklist. It's you got to live every single day as if you have zero regrets. You're living to your fullest and you're doing what you want. You're not falling in the herd mentality where I got to do this. I got to do this. No, you do what the fuck you want on a, and I'm sorry for swearing on a regular basis. And 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 do stuff that can fulfill your life and fulfill your family's life to the max and worry about yourself and stop trying to follow the rules through the whole pandemic they're like you can't see your family you can't do this i saw my parents three four days a week i would drive down to toronto and go spend time with them thank god i did that dan because months later my dad passed away if i spent a year and followed the government's mandate and didn't see my family and my dad died. You know the regret I would have the rest of my fucking life? Mm. And I didn't. I, I followed my own rules. I knew what I what was best for me and my family. And I spent time with my family. And I'm so glad I did that. So you have to do what's right for you. 
That's my mindset with that. Yeah, I think that's a good, it's certainly a good uh, general ethos to have because people know, like every, pretty much every civilization in the history of language has had the same core principles of law, right? Uh, like murder, for example, has been illegal. Now, how it's defined is different, but the yeah. I, the idea of uh, un and the unauthorized taking of a human life has been criminalized by most, pretty much every culture, uh, yeah. except for you know there's a there's a couple of outliers. <clears throat> People know what's right and what's wrong. Like we don't need to be told what's right and wrong by power hungry people who run for off. I mean, that's a, that's a ridiculous premise, right? So I'm certainly with you on the idea of starting at the lowest possible level and, you know, trying to turn people into leaders and firebrands for that ideology. Um, so when you were talking about parenting earlier, you didn't say, you didn't say it specifically, but what you're alluding to is that a lot of people parent by edict instead of by example. Now you need yes. to, you need to do both, right? You need to set clear rules and give clear guidance, but you also have to live the same life that you're asking other people to live. Otherwise, they're going to know you're full of shit. You know what I mean? Yes. So when when <clears throat> excuse me, when Gavin Newsom in California has everybody locked down and then goes to the French Laundry, you know, with all of his buddies and nobody wears a mask, everybody knows that he doesn't really believe that it's dangerous. You know what I mean? So no, yeah. so I mean it's. Even if even if he was correct and it was dangerous, nobody's going to believe it after that. Yeah. Um, and I think the um, well, I don't think I know for a fact that leading by example produces a better quality follower than yeah. than than any other methodology. And I know that to be a leader, you have to know how to follow first, right? Because you have to be able to communicate to people who are following. Starting that at home is one thing, but I think we, like, if you're a parent, that's certainly part of your everyday life. But even if you're not a parent, let's say you're a teenager right now and you're listening to this and you're wondering, how does any of this apply to me? The fact that you've gone out of your way to find more information on how to improve the world around you makes you a leader by definition. Uh, You weren't you weren't satisfied with the status quo. You weren't satisfied with being a dull, compliant worker bee, right? Which is, you know, the American pioneer spirit. And when I say American, I mean all of North America. It's been like that people here have been pioneers, been hardworking as fuck for a long ass time. Um, And you're, you're 14, 15 years old. You're in high school. Maybe you're in middle school or whatever. The people around you, once you start ser- searching out answers and being skeptical about things and processing information and, uh, and, and learning how to think and not just what to think, people will start to look to you for answers. And I'm not saying that everybody has to <clears throat> make short videos on how to do things and post them on the internet. It's not about that. But that one-on-one interaction uh, and groups of people watching as you unapologetically do what you think is right. That's a very powerful thing. It's it's psychology like that is contagious. And it it's it it is ultimately rebellion against herd mentality. And herd mentality is one of the most dangerous things. I mean we, we used to call these people lemmings. 
You know what I mean? And it, and it was an insult. And now yeah. it's like you, you jump on board and you're part of whatever the current thing is. And that's some kind of social currency. It doesn't make any sense like how that happened, but it, it does make sense because that's what governments have been trying to get us to do for years, forever. They, they want compliance. The Roman Colosseum wasn't built yeah. to, to sell tickets and make money for the Roman government so they could you know, fund infrastructure projects. It was meant as a distraction because life sucked and they wanted people to be a little bit happier than they were so they wouldn't rebel. It was really that simple. So how, why would life, why would there be any impetus on government or business to improve conditions, to make products better or cheaper, to uh, uh, stop wasting our money on stupid bullshit, to stop interfering in our daily lives, if there isn't some kind of cost, some kind of penalty for doing that. You know what I mean? There has to be some penalty and some reward for doing the wrong and right thing. And right now, as far as, as, far as it goes here in America, at least, in the United States, there's very little penalty for a politician to do, let's say, insider trading, for example, or to um, uh, like with Joe Manchin yeah. this week, who, who said repeatedly he wouldn't vote for Build Back Better or the Green New Deal. And then they changed the name of the bill from the Green New Deal to the Inflation Reduction Act and he votes for it. Like there's got to be a penalty for that. That guy has to go. He has to be. He has, he has to be not elected when he comes up again, but he probably will be, right? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, you go go back to, I mean, we talk about Canada. I don't know if you never heard the story before, but um, Trudeau put a ton of money, government money towards a charity. Um, I think it's the We or something like that. I can't remember the exact name. It was a, it was the charity to support and, and develop the youth of Canada. And a ton of money was put towards government money, our money, citizens' money towards this charity, millions and millions. And then it came out that his mom was paid like two hundred thousand for a speech. His cousins were all paid two hundred thousand for speeches. And it was a whole line of his family all being paid for these massive amounts for speeches. And these are not even professional speakers. And that was brought into the public and swiped under a carpet a couple months later and never talked about ever again. And this is constantly, there's so many of these things. If you sit there and, and open up the books and look at how much shit has happened over the last three, four years, and they're just swiped under. I mean, we could go and there's tons of stuff. I mean, you look at the, the Canadian educational system and all these uh, all these uh, Inuit schools and Native Indian schools and all this stuff that happened with, with the Catholic system years back. I mean, then they're all coming to light now with the burial grounds. And there's so much stuff that just brushed under the carpet. And and then when they are brought to light, they're just they're just hushed up pretty quickly. They're hushed up as quick as possible to, this, to stop the spread and stop any form of change, mm-hmm. right? And that's constantly. And when you're going back to even like one thing I wanted to talk about was the 14, 16 year olds, like our, our youth. Yeah, it does start at home hundred percent. And I'm, and that's a hundred percent what I'm, I'm, I'm in favor for. And I, and I agree with, and, and the mentoring indirectly and direct mentoring as parents, but our educational system, this is something we talked about at the beginning. There's three topics. I always say, Dan, that, that should be part of the curriculum in our educational system, sales, public speaking and networking. If those three things were taught from grade nine to grade 12, right through our high school systems, how much better leaders will we have? How much better 
educators we'd have, how many more entrepreneurs we have. Instead, they're teaching this. I'm looking at my daughter going through high school. My son's starting high school next year. And I'm looking at the curriculum. I help with my daughter. I'm like, none of this shit you're, I, I forgot about. It. It's been so many years, but none of this shit you're going to use in the real world. Yeah. Unless you're going to be a chemist or a, like, what are you going to use? They'll have this stuff. And they're not teaching the leadership skills. They're not teaching the, the public speaking, being able to communicate with people. A lot of kids, they're stuck in front of a computer all day. They're stuck in their basement playing video games. They don't have the public speaking skills. They don't have the communication skills. They get into the real world. They don't know how to talk to people anymore. Hmm. And then what does that do? That forces you to follow along the herd because you just want to be part of something. Yeah. So it's a lot has to do with our educational system too, right? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Well, I mean, we've we've talked we talked about this earlier in the show. It's just uh, a factory to build compliant workers. That's all it really is. That's and yeah. you know maybe there's no solution for that from the public standpoint. I mean, you could put your kids in private school and stuff like that, but you know, not no system of education is going to be perfect. And um, the major studies on pu- on public versus private education found some pretty good things like smaller classroom sizes obviously help because you get more one-on-one learning uh more specific curriculum and less general curriculum uh yeah uh builds better students in general because you have to dive into a specific topic and learn how to learn and then you can pretty much learn other things on your own that's that's one of the things they found but the the biggest predictor of academic success wasn't any of those things. It wasn't race or gender. It wasn't uh, uh, a social class or, or wealth. It was parental involvement in the process. Like how much, how much time did the parents spend with the child in their education? That was the biggest predictor of academic success. So if we know that, then we know regardless of how fucked up the education system might be at large, you still have plenty of opportunity to teach your kid. And not, the, the good thing about this is you don't have to make them mouthy or disagreeable. Just make them confident in, in, in knowing that they know how to learn, that they're doing things the correct way. And uh, they can, you, you can be respectful. You don't, you don't have to be a dick to get your point across and stuff like this. Yeah. But when, you're, when, when you can tell uh, uh, people are trying to program you, then you can resist that and other people will see you resisting it and they will resist it as well. Yeah. A leader being a leader. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think that, uh, we, we have these weird ideas about leadership in um, in the West for a long time, it was like, if you were born with the right last name, then you're a leader. Then it's like, if you've got the right business, success or military success, then you're a leader. Um, but frankly, I know plenty of business people and plenty of people from the military that are fucking idiots, uh, and people that I would definitely not follow. Um, so the thing that I want to do with this idea of leadership is make the message ubiquitous. Like the, the, the target audience for these ideas on leadership is everyone whether you're, you know, a teenager just starting to figure out who you are as a person or you're uh, getting ready to retire, whatever it is, all these lessons apply. And it's the, the very simple definition is a leader is someone who puts others before themselves 
and puts yeah. the truth before their own comfort. That to yeah. me is a leader. Um, yeah. And, you know, they set clear expectations for themselves and others. They admit when they're wrong. They uh, 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 admit when their opponent is right, which is also an important trait to have because otherwise you have to pretend like you're right when you're not because yeah. you chose the wrong side. That's fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, people think leadership is giving orders or punishing the disobedient or rewarding the obedient but that doesn't even scrape the surface of what it really is. You know what I mean? Being a leader is a, it's, it's like everything else. Like people want to go on a diet to lose weight. No, a diet is what you eat on a regular basis. It's not a fucking thing you do for two weeks. No, it's and a be, process. Yeah. yeah. And being a leader is something that happens every single day, regardless of what your status is. Most, the vast majority of people, other than maybe being a parent, will never be in a true leadership position in society in their life. They're not going to be a politician. They're not going to be a CEO. Um, the vast majority of people won't ever hold any of these formal leadership positions. But every single person that can hear the sound of my voice, whether it's all the time or in certain situations, is a leader. Right? People look to you, people that don't know what's going on. Like the, the dumbest motherfucker on earth who's done something for a couple of weeks is – going to have something to tell the smartest motherfucker on earth who hasn't done it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it just, it begins and ends, I think, as you alluded to before with discipline, you know what I mean? That's the, yeah. that's the common theme in every, in every business book and every self-help book and every dieting book. It's always the same thing. It's about discipline. And I think this is the part that's ubiquitous. And it's the, the thing that you said earlier about instilling discipline in the kids at the earliest possible opportunity and then exercising that discipline as they grow older. That's probably the most important part of raising a human being. Yeah. yeah. Let me jump on something there. And, yeah. and everything you're saying there is, is there's two things I always think of when I look at my kids and something I've tried to teach them from a very young age is, and this goes to exactly not following the herd mentality, is understanding that it's okay to ask a question if you have it in your head it's okay to have an open dialogue a conversation with somebody that you disagree with and i think a lot of people put themselves in this this these little bubbles where they don't know how to properly ask a question and that's that fear of asking that question sometimes just makes them follow a path and i think we have to from a very young age teach our kids hey like if you have a question if you have a concern, if you have something that doesn't feel right or doesn't make sense, ask the question and let somebody explain it to you. And at that point, then judge whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense to you. Mm -hmm. So being open for conversation and asking questions. And I think there are youth, they need to start that on a regular basis because right now it's just social media. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like, I had a comment. And then you get the negativity. And a lot of people are scared to ask the question, scared to open up or scared to put something important out there because they are so scared of the hate that's going to come with it. And I, I was just interviewing a gentleman. Um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, uh, these YouTube videos that exploded from the kid. It was not from a kid. It was an actual gentleman behind the kid. And it was a kid called Kid President. Oh, uh, yeah, that Here sounds you. familiar, yeah. So it, these erupted. So it was a gentleman, Brad... 
um, Mont Montague, Montague um, started creating. The, he got his nephew started creating these videos of kid president. They exploded to the point where Obama invited them to the White House. Um, uh, Beyonce invited them to dinner. They saw Oprah. They, these things got millions and millions of views. This whole series of kid president and they were just done for fun but it was also there was a there's a mindset behind it it was to teach the younger generation lessons on how to be good to people how to treat people good how it, there was lessons behind them all and through the whole process when i was talking i go did you get any like how much hatred did you get towards that because you're always going to get the trolls and all this he goes we got tons of hatred mm. and he goes every time we would get a hatred i would send a private message with a photo with a person's name holding on a piece of paper saying Dan, I love you. I don't care if you don't love me. I love you back. Mm. And he would send this to every single person that would leave a negative message, a DM. And he says, how many of those people that would open a conversation? And then they would open up and start a conversation. And five minutes later, they would explain why they felt that or why they said that. And their mind would change. So having that open dialogue with people is so valid. And I think a lot of people don't take that opportunity of a negative comment or a negative moment to turn into an open conversation of why you feel that way. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the comment you made about, um, fear to ask a question or to make a statement, uh, funneling somebody, down uh, a path maybe they don't even agree with is really interesting i mean uh that that is that's social pressure to force compliance that's what that is right it's it's group yeah. it's group think it's group psychology it's like the fear of speaking out it's it's what uh it's it's essentially the ideological version of the bystander effect right where yeah uh you know everyone assumes this or that and instead of just saying something very obvious out loud, we have so many stories about this. The elephant in the room is a literal story or the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the emperor's new clothes. Like we have so many anecdotes about this throughout human history. And it's one of the, one of the great failures of Western society is that we have managed to systematically unlearn lessons that we've learned in, in very harsh conditions over the years because of uh, uh, our own desire for comfort. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it pretty much, you're not, you're, unless you are, uh, I, I guess, just an epicurious uh, uh, apologist, most people who have written philosophy don't agree that searching out comfort and pleasure are the best way to go through life. I mean, the vast majority of philosophers would, would, would say that's a silly way to go through life. Right. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons, but you know, if you, if you get addicted to the pleasure, then the, the event no longer is meaningful, if that makes sense. So you get addicted to the dopamine hit, not the actual thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big problem for people because they can't, it, it's, I, I think it's why so many very successful people end up committing suicide because, uh, they align their happiness with these things that are more ephemeral, right? They're not necessarily real. Uh, but that's not how it works. Like your, your, your brain rewards and penalizes you with chemicals, right? 
Yeah. And it, and it is a, a system that has been developed over the course of about 250,000 years. So the idea of saying, well, I feel good when I do this. What do you mean feel good? Like physically you feel good? Like you, you can breathe better? That's good. Sure. But if you feel good, meaning it's just like an ephemeral, I, oh, I just feel happier when I do. Like you, you should really pause and examine what you're doing there and why you're doing it. Because chances are it's not a good idea. Uh, and it's why so many people in the uh, philosophy space now are, are encouraging people to seek out discomfort physically and, you know, philosophically seek out discomfort. I, I, I always say, I mean, in, in the highest stress moments of your life, you create your greatest growth. And you need stress in your life to create growth. Anything that's beautiful in this world that's grown has has that moment of stress, that moment of, 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 uh, and we always, talk, I always talk about my wife to this, and this is why from day one, we've put our children in a situation where they've, they've had to earn, they've, they've, we put them in a situation where discipline, not a negative, we're hitting them discipline, but a discipline in a way where they understand the rules, they understand the process, because I see a lot of our friends of ours and their children are there. They've done well for themselves. So their children are given everything. And I'm like, these kids have never had a bad day in their life. They've never had a moment to earn something or stress for something. How are they going to deal with adversity when it first hits them as an adult? And that's my biggest fear. And that was my biggest fear with my kids, be honest. Yeah. And that's why from day one, and, and still my kids are very privileged. They're extremely privileged. They've given way more. I came from a very blue collar factory family and they, my kids have been given way more than I ever thought I, as a kid I would ever have. Mm. And I'm proud that I'm able to give them to them, but I make sure they re understand that. I make sure from day one, my, my kids will go to a mall and they're the first ones opening up the door for the first person. They're, they've built these, these uh, habits. They're going to become leaders as they grow up. And I think a lot of children are right now going to that. They're, they're so privileged that they don't understand the minute shit hits the fan they're not going to know how to deal with it as mm. adults yeah and, uh, and that's a that's a scary situation because that's a huge generation that are growing up that are all going to hit at the same time yeah yeah we may be in even more trouble than we're in now uh and it's a good point you need stress to create growth in your life it's true for every living organism right um <clears throat> the reason a tree grows into the shape that it grows is because it's reaching out for sunlight and water. The reason that uh, grapes become sweet is because they're what's called struggling on the vine for that yeah. sugar. So they absorb and retain all the sugar. The reason that you get smarter or grow muscles on your body is through struggle and discomfort. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't struggle and discomfort is dinner and pleasure is dessert. And I think people should probably think of it that way. Uh, because otherwise, you know, <laughs> you're just eating cake all the time and yeah. you're going to be a, yeah. a fat dummy with <laughs> diabetes. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. It is that simple. That's, that's a scary part. It is that simple, but people still don't get it. Yeah. That's a scary part of it. Right. Well, I mean, so we've, uh, here recently we've systematically moralized that kind of behavior though. It's like, Oh, self, everybody's talking about self care. Like, shut the fuck up, man. I don't, I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear you talk about self care. Self care is 
realizing that you probably have it better than most people, which if you live in America, you're in the top 1% of the top 1% of human beings on earth, regardless yeah. of how bad your situation is, and finding a way to turn your pain and suffering into empathy for other people. That is self-care because that's the way you solve your fucking problems is yeah. through helping other people. It's not about you. Uh, but instead, our entire society tell, like pats people on the, on the shoulder, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. That, that's the victim mentality, right? Yeah. And I think social media praises on that. If you put up, if you get, if you see a post where somebody's, I just got a job, you'll get three likes. Oh, my husband has broke up. My husband has left me. You'll get a hundred questions yeah. and all. It's, 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 people are, are hugged and created around being a victim. Mm. They're not rewarded for this. Very rarely you'll get rewarded for doing great stuff. If you are rewarded for doing great stuff, you're, being rewarded by high achievers, people that are in the same boat as you, that are trying to achieve much as you. Because if when I look at somebody that's successful, if I see your podcast killing your game, millions of downloads, I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love seeing that. It just makes me happy because it gives me an opportunity to achieve that. There is hope to achieve that. So for people to look at somebody's success and be like, screw this, I don't, I'm not so happy to see him happy. But when somebody's a victim, oh my God, that poor person, that's man, social media just magnifies that to a different level, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to tell people all the time to allow yourself to be inspired instead of intimidated by the success of other people, because yeah. uh, basically by them succeeding, what they've done is take all the risk and create a roadmap for you to succeed as well. hundred percent. Like you, you should see that as a benefit as, as, as a human being, especially these days. I mean, more so than ever before in a creator economy, uh, we got to get out of here before we do. Uh, do you have any last words of wisdom for the audience? I said it before, man. I mean, keys to success is just work fucking hard at what you want. Stop being a bitch and complaining about everything. Mm. Just go out and do it and just be good to people, man. Put a smile on somebody's face today, man. Just be nice to people because the world could be a better place if we're all just nicer to each other. That's all it is, man. Simple, simple, simple. Cool. Well, thanks for coming today. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we'll see you soon. And thank, uh, thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Citizen. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.